We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alexander. McCollum staying with him. Spins, gets inside. Left-handed off the glass. Oh, what a sweet move. Giddy, tough spot. Back door. What a pass. What a play. And Jada picks the pocket of Trey Young. He'll take it himself. This is Luther. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We're coming at you live Wednesday, October 4th. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. Got my guy, J.D. Silva, with me tonight. Fellows. Taylor Peterson is here. I'm back. Were you gone? You were on like the last three episodes. (laughs) That's my point. I'm back like two days later. And we've got Nick Crane. TP, glad to see you're dressed for the occasion this time. You're not wearing your button-up and slacks and, and dress. <laughs> this guy, this guy tells me, where would you just, I don't know, where you would wear to work? I'm like, okay, well, on like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I dress pretty nice. Thursdays, I'm pretty casual. Old tuxedo boy. Lean? <laughs> yeah. Nick, I do got to say, your videos from Media Day, I feel like you were trying to flex the dunks because every video had one of your shoes. <laughs> In the all white dunks in the video, those weren't my videos, those are Taylor's videos. The oh. dude, did, dude didn't know how to zoom in on the podium. And was like, it still your foot though? It was my foot. Okay, <laughs> Just Jordan, Jordan's check. not dunks, but oh. I appreciate, Apol- you, appreciate you noticing. They were very clean. I could not keep white shoes like that, that clean. It's good branding, <laughs> 100%. Nike, if you want to sponsor the pod, just uh, <laughs> shoot the DM. Uh, we are brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Before we fire up and, and talk some training camp, boys, because the NBA is here, want to take our last chance on a podcast to tell you guys about OKC Thunder Fan Fest this Sunday, October 8th, 5.30 to 8.30. It's outside the Paycom Center in downtown OKC. You got to have a ticket to get in, but good news are is, not good news are, good news is, tickets are free. You just go to okcthunder.com slash fanfest to get your ticket. There's going to be tons of stuff out there. They are going to have a row of food trucks, street ball skills challenge. All the Thunder entertainers will be out there. They'll be designing and doing like live art on the downtown OKC court. There's going to be inflatables and face painting and all kinds of stuff for the little kids. And if you are one of the first 1,000 fans there, you will get an exclusive limited edition Thunder hat made by ShopGood. It's in collaboration with the OKC Thunder and ShopGood OKC, which is really, really dope. Taylor and I will also be out there for a little bit, so you can come say what's up to Taylor and I. Hang out. Uh, Taylor, I think we'll bring some stickers for anyone that yeah, comes up and says they listen to the pod. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have some stickers as well. So... Make sure to make it out to FanFest Sunday night, 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. outside the Paycom Center. You just got to go to okcthunder.com slash FanFest to get your tickets. And 24 hours after that, we get Thunder versus Spurs. 
I think Taylor oh, has that post game. Is that right? I do. You guys uh, better be ready for a 90 minute post game. That's right. <laughs> Here's why this last. first preseason game means everything. Low key, I mean, relative to most preseason games, like, does it's it get one. better? You it's know, true. I don't know. I don't know if it does. It's going to be phenomenal. Chet and Wemby's like debut in the preseason, it means nothing. And right. we will definitely not overreact either direction. <laughs> But we, we certainly want that. That'd be seems, very irresponsible. It seems like think a about really, it. really fun preseason game. No, I, I, I agree completely. Uh, it really will be. And we will get to see them like, you know, go head to head. And um, I mean, assuming that when well, plays that first, when he's going to, it's exciting. Sit for rest. Preseason game one. game one. <laughs> that'd be the ultimate Spurs move. 100%. Speaking of. Taylor, I believe it was you that sent us the notification today that the Thunder versus Spurs game later in the season has been flexed to ABC. That's what I, I was about to mention something earlier. I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, that was it. Um, so, yeah, it went from ESPN, like, I don't know, an hour or two before. Is it a Sunday uh, game ABC. or a Saturday game? It, wasn't that the 24th of January? I will check. No clue. I'm pretty sure that's the date off the top of my head. Um, January 20... 24th is a Wednesday. Correct, but that is Thunder at Spurs, 730. Uh, All right. They already have updated it. Yep, big one. Already have updated it. An Shout ABC out, uh, game on a Wednesday night? Big time. I love Interesting. it. Interesting. I didn't even know ABC did games on Wednesday nights. I, th- I so think I they think, do. I think what's happening, I, I, heard, I heard about this with the NFL also. So the a- ABC has been airing uh, like more ESPN content there because of the writer's strike. They don't have yeah. enough content to fill that block. So this but could the be writer's strike effect. is over. Yes, but they don't have like original content ready to go. Or they well, might get writing. You, no, you, can't, you, can't you can't write anything better than Chet vs. Wimby. I mean, that's as right. good as writing gets. NBA right. script writers are... NBA script writers are all over it. Specific rim, three. <laughs> That is very interesting, though. You're right, Jacob. Um, that yeah, that seven what seven thirty game. I'm into it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Nick, mm-hmm. you were not on the show Monday because you were in your car driving back down to <laughs> Dallas from Oklahoma City. Just out of curiosity, because I don't think I've ever ridden in a car where Nick was driving. <laughs> I think I've driven a car that Nick's been in, but I've never been in a car when Nick is driving. Nick, whenever you come up to cover a Thunder game or media day and you head back down home to Dallas, how fast do you drive? Um, I mean, I'm not like a, I'm not going like a hundred. I'm a, I'm a oh, standard, God, I hope not. I'm a standard, <laughs> like 10, over. 10, 10% yeah. over the limit. So like if it's 75, I'll go like 82, 85. I feel like in my head, this is probably not a real law that like I can't get pulled over for 10%. <laughs> like if a cop pulled me over and I was going, for example, 77 and a 70, I'd be like, dude, you can't. It's only 10% over. That, that's like the buffer. Um, definitely probably not true at all. Um, I mean, it makes sense. It's kind of how I operate. Like I, li- be, I like the logic. I like that you don't go five miles over 10 miles. You 10%. I mean, so the origin of that is in high school, I got a ticket for reckless driving, which was not reckless. It was like, I'm not going to, I'll spare you the details, but um, cop was, was tailgating me. And I thought it was someone just being an a-hole. So I like sped up to get away from him and it was a cop. It's like, why are you tailgating me in the first place? Got reckless driving, had to go to like a class to get it off my record. And wow. everybody How in there, that like 200 bucks, I think. Oh, that's not as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, well, this is like 20... 11 or something no inflation back in that inflation uh so went to the class and we had to start like our icebreaker was like why are you here and everyone was like oh i was going this fast in this speed zone or i was you know doing this when i shouldn't have and the it was like cops that was putting on the class and there was like a couple people that were like yeah i was going like 78 and a 70 or i was going 72 and a 65 and the cops were like Whoa, they pulled you over for that? They shouldn't have even pulled you over. So now in my head, like did the ah. backwards math, and I'm like, they really shouldn't pull us over. If a cop's telling us, like, man, that's that's weak, they shouldn't have pulled you over for that, then I feel like I got some wiggle room. <laughs> I I love that you said the reckless driving class has an icebreaker. <laughs> All right, here's your bell work. We're gonna do the icebreaker. 
Now, if you open your books to page 75. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that's it was interesting. Incredible. All right. Well, Nick, you weren't on Monday because you were driving home from me today. Mm-hmm. Um, at a safe speed. Healthy at 10%. a safe speed. Uh, no, no more than 10% over the limit. You tip 20%, you speed 10%. Yeah. I love it. The rule. We want to get your thoughts. You've got, we've, Lord have, he's not at the table right now, so I can say, Lord have mercy on my soul. We got Taylor's thoughts. Lord have mercy. I'm about to bust. Nick, I, wherever you want to go with this, um, I mean, we have some specifics we'll talk about today, but just your overall feeling, experience, the vibe, the, the big takeaways, whatever you want. Um, but talk to us about your experience at Media Day. Um, I mean, as you know, Taylor had no shortage of comments, covered it pretty thoroughly, but, um, I'll try to get a little bit of picture. Shay is, is the leader on the team. Like we, he has been for a while now. Um, there's like complimentary leaders on the team that do forget who it was. Maybe it was Lou or Kenrich that made a comment that was something that that Marcus said in the past that like a leader is really just doing the right thing in the right situation. So there's a lot of leaders on this team. Um, but this was a year that felt like everybody was alluding to Shay and talking about Shay and like Shay's the guy and you can't guard Shay and Shay does this. Shay does that. It's just clear that like he, <clears throat> he has the national attention. Everybody knows who he is now, kind of a household name, but like the team looks up to him as the leader. It's, it's very, 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 very clear. Um, Nick, I'm kind of, uh, you and I didn't get to talk about this, but I'm kind of curious your thoughts. Like when Shay yeah. just even walked into the room, like there was just a completely different vibe than when he, any other player did. Um, seems like he's really kind of carrying, taking on that, that role and has really em- em- embraced it. Yeah. I mean, he's him. That's, it's cliche, but it's, it's very true. And, and I think the team knows that and respects that and looks up to him on and off the court. Um, I forget if J-Dub, I think, had an interview, not media day, but um, before media day with some outlet saying that he'd gone to Canada a couple times this offseason and spent time with Shea and like Shea's giving him kind of feels like Shea is not Chris Paul in terms of like basketball knowledge and been there, done that. But like similar story where, yeah, they worked out together, but Shea was also like coaching him on little things you can do to incrementally get better. And like, nobody's better in this league at getting better in an off season than Shay. So if you want to get good, just go hang around with that guy in the off season, see what he does. So that's, that's promising. That was the big kind of first takeaway. Um, Before you jump into the second one. Yep. I just, if we pulled up a podcast from three years ago and played it, we would talk, you would, you would hear us talking so much about Shay learning underneath Chris Paul. And what he would, the dividends that would pay down the road. And then here it is, October 4th, 2023. And you're mentioning it again. Like, I, I think that's come full circle. Yeah. No, it's just great to see. And that's why, um, even in the years that we didn't want the team to be good because you want to have good draft positioning, and they always had, you know, an Al Horford or a Derek Favors. And, and I think the initial sentiment when you bring a guy like that in is, um, no, like lose games. Don't bring in a vet. That's good. But like those kind of guys, it's the little things along the way. If they, if they can make an impact on one or two guys in the locker room that makes them 5% better in the long run, it's worth it. Like full stop. Second big takeaway. I don't know if Taylor talked about this one or not, but no expectations. Um, the, you don't say the, uh, pushing that Mark had a quote. I don't have it word for word. I'm not going to try to, to regurgitate it because Mark just his way with words is, is hard to just paraphrase, but basically um, your external narratives, whether it's uh, the media in the room or a bleacher report list or the athletics top teams or the NBA power rankings, like means nothing to them, which I think for most NBA teams is the case, but it's kind of funny to hear Mark, like say the external narratives literally mean nothing to us. Like, you guys could all go right that Oklahoma City is going to be a top four team or go podcast and say this is their ceiling, and they don't care because they're not doing that. Um, Sam kind of talked about that too. I think that's expected. That's par for the course with Oklahoma City. Um, 
it's just like the the cold takes exposed. Why would you sit there and say we think we're going to be this when there's a chance that you're not going to be that? Um, it's 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 interesting though from a franchise perspective because there are teams out there that when you listen to their media day or see their quotes, it's like they're gassing <coughs> each other up. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, sorry, Taylor. Had something in my throat there. Um, yeah, it's it's like there's never going to be a day where somebody asks a question to anybody on this team. And you get an answer that's like cocky or like, yeah, we're, we're that team. Or we feel like, like, I feel like this team could win 65 games next season. They won't. Uh, but if they did, you could ask them like next media day. Like, do you guys feel like you're a championship contender now? Oh no, we, we don't put, we don't put expectations on ourselves. Like yeah. well, development's we not linear day by day, yeah. put yeah. our head on the pillow. Did you guys, at night. Even did you guys watch the day by day thing yeah. Yeah. individually? There's, it's funny when you go back, like I went back and watched the Thunder broadcast of Media Day that had uh, like the the broadcast announcers. Royce Young was on there. Matt Pinto was on there. And some of the stuff the player said in those interviews, it's just like the messaging has been like pumped into your head over and over yeah. and over and over Ingrained. again yep. that they just say this stack in days. You know, you just stack day after day after day, and eventually you build up. Like a lot of them said that. Did you guys watch J Dub's uh, vlog of the behind the scenes media day stuff? It's on my list. No, it's I did cool. watch part of it. Um, it starts off with him driving, uh, and it's funny because he's driving, and you can see out the window, and you're just like, "Yeah, that's an Edmond neighborhood." Like full stop, <laughs> yeah. driven by there before. Yeah. He's but gone he, 75 South. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, Media Day's at 11. We have a meeting at the practice facility at 10 uh, so they can coach us up on how to do Media Day. <laughs> and it's just like, 100% believe that. Like, they get them all together. This is what you say. This is what you don't say. Yeah. They are programmed. Basically, yeah. don't give anybody any ammo. Yeah. Yep. Which apparently the Toronto Raptors needed that message. But uh, no right. that and is uh, other, neither here nor yeah. there. Yep. Not not good there. Super weird. Okay, so Nick, Shay's the leader. Uh-huh. Um, the the coach and the GM are trying to kill all sorts of expectations. Any other big takeaways? Um this is more more specific than the last couple that were a little bit more broad, but uh Vasily meet itch. God, I can't I, I need to like Vasa. Just call him Vasa. Vasa. Um I I always feel like I have it and then the pronunciation guide comes out and then like a week later the player tells you like no actually the pronunciation guide's wrong. It's not this, it's yeah. actually this. Um so by by December hopefully we have a real pronunciation on on Vasa. But uh something that's like this is well known. Um European players whether they play in the NBA or not. There's always this like weird uh passive aggressive vibe towards the NBA style of play. It's always been a thing. And that's why when FIBA comes around teams compete because they play team ball, they play well together. It's not this individual ISO game. Like the NBA is truly like you look at all the best leagues in Europe. Um, you look at the NBL, you look at FIBA play, you look at wherever it is. The style is very different because it is more team oriented. That's why guys, um, that I think get drafted internationally. Sometimes you'll look at their stats and be like, this dude got drafted seventh overall. He averaged like seven, two and two. Like how is he getting drafted that high? It's just, it's not that kind of game. Right. And it was funny because, uh, Vasa kind of shit on the NBA a little bit where, um, he was asked like the style of play between the former leagues he'd been in and FIBA play in the NBA. And he kind of said like the talent here is way better. Like the best athletes in the world are in the NBA, but it's really like player driven isolation. They don't really play team ball. The reason I bring this up, I've been an advocate on this pod that Vasa could be a really, really, really good call him a sixth man, call him the backup point guard, call him the leader of the second unit. Tremendous upside as a passer facilitator, um, the guy that can come in when Shea is out and keep the offense humming, can shoot it from deep. It is a lot of things. But knowing he has a ton of experience playing that way is one of the most decorated players in the world outside of the NBA. As he was talking about that, 
kind of shitting on the NBA, I started to think like, you know what? Maybe that is like the perfect backup point guard. Yes. A guy that once like has been programmed and wants to play team ball, not ISO ball and get the most out of his teammates. Is that not the perfect backup point guard? The facilitator. The facilitator. Yes. Yes. Print the shirts. shirts. We've got there. That is a, Uh, we're trademarking it right now. We did it. The perfection. The Poku Nectar and the Facilitator coming <laughs> off the bench. Uh, Straight to the bloodstream, baby. No, Nick, I, I think it's a great point. And I definitely picked up on that from Vasa. Uh, young team, lots of great individual talent. And it's yeah. just like they're they're I don't know. People have talked about like the AAU culture and it's I don't know the, the negativity on and and lack of focus on team basketball. Um, I, I think maybe we even mentioned it on Monday, guys. Like people get are like so obsessed with oh this guy's got a bag and he can hit the the b- double between the leg hezzy half spin go back he can over get you a drop step in the playoffs and it's like isn't the point of the game to get the easiest baskets possible? Like make the, the shots as easy as you can. And I almost feel like the Thunder are trying to play more of that Euro-ish style of basketball, Nick. And it's kind of funny because I don't know if they're the most international team in the league, but they've got a ton of international guys. Feels like yeah. it. Yeah. And a lot of those guys kind of played that way growing up. So it's just, and and the style they're trying to build of these guys that can make decisions and pass the ball and cut. And, you know, I think guys that are good passers tend to be really good cutters as well. And you got a lot of really good passers on this team. So it kind of makes sense, but I'm with you. Like, I don't know. I think there's this like argument of is Vasa or Wallace going to get more minutes. I don't like calling him Wallace case and calling him Wallace felt weird. <laughs> That felt really weird. I don't like that. <laughs> Sounds like I'm talking about a guy born in the 1940s. Yeah, it's like a Western deputy, Deputy Wallace. <laughs> Wallace. <laughs> he fought in France in World War II. Overweight accountant that's like 50 years old in a cubicle. That's what I think of. I think of Wallace. Got one of those Wallace life. That's a shirt. He can dress, up. He can... <laughs> <laughs> he can dress up with Chet as Abe Lincoln. Oh, boy. There's I love a, that. Uh, there's a t-shirt idea there that I won't, I'll, I'll wait for after the podcast. We got but two. It, Justin needs to be on more of these shows as we're coming up with these t-shirt ideas, man. <laughs> Wallace life, uh, the facilitator, the Poku nectar. We're going to just have a shirt of all of those. That's awesome. Uh, Nick, I'm with you. Like, I think he's going to play a ton off the bench. Like, I, is there a world where he starts at some point? Like when everyone's healthy? Or do you think that's just like too far fetched? I think I think that's he will the, he will be good enough. Future. He'll be good enough that we'll have a conversation on this pod a couple times. It's like during a rut, like a five game losing streak, should Vasa come up and start? But I think end of the day, he is like like I mentioned, the best suited player to run the second unit. I think the argument would be sure bring him up to start. You're gonna put Lou on the bench. Like then who? Unless Kaysen comes out as like this perfect on ball facilitator, Sorry, rather than I like an off ball shooter. I thought then, that's who you were asking about, Jacob. <laughs> Sorry. So that makes sense. That's right. And the other thing, Nick, that, that, uh, to that point that Vasa mentioned that I was kind of thinking back on, uh, today when I was kind of listening back on Monday's podcast that we didn't really mention. It's like he even went into detail and talked about how in Europe players are trained more like towards fundamentals and team basketball. Like made a very clear point on that. Like I was going back through my videos, listened to his answers. I was like, man, that was kind of a shot at like American totally. basketball, yeah, uh, grassroots basketball. And so I, I did find that very interesting. I thought that was a, a good point you brought up there. Last one, Jacob, and I'll let us move on here because we're already 23 minutes in. Um, I think all of us, not just not just a me thing, have done like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of film study on Chet Holmgren, even before he was in the thunder. Like there was always this sense. He was going to be the guy at two Um, have watched more film on him than I'd like to admit, have watched more interviews than I'd like to admit. And 
while he is this potentially generational unicorn that can literally change the entire game on both ends, has a ton of length, can space the floors like the perfect modern NBA center, like on court tools and tangibles skill set, perfect for today's NBA, perfect for the Thunder need. Um, I think what I've always like known in the back of my head, but didn't really hit home until media day was the IQ. Like we've all known he's smart, but when he was asked some of the questions about like on court stuff and situations, I think you played one of the clips that I asked him about guarding in space. Like the dude gets it. Like he, he could have given this blanket answer of, yeah, when I'm switched onto a guard, I just got to like, hold my ground and make sure I'm not, you know, falling for a pump fake. The dude goes into depth and like all the things that he has to consider. And it depends on the map. The way he processes the game on top of those tools. Like I'm at the point now where like injuries are the only thing that's going to hold this guy back from being a top 10, 15 center league. The only thing you said top 10 or 15 center in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's aiming kind of low. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Worst case injuries yeah. aside. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. his, his floor without injuries is, is a top half starter Yeah, with the tools and the IQ is just like the floor is ridiculously high. If, if he's, if he never ends up, if he ends up being the fifth option on this team, long-term his ability to space the floor, create that space for others and the rim protection that's going to translate. Absolutely. Is minimum top 15. Like it's just, it's just, bonkers what this kid could do well you talking about that just makes me think of this and i'm interested in your guys's thoughts on this got a, a year and a half later whenever the thunder got the number two overall pick that that podcast that night was incredible like that's oh yeah i mean that was dope we started talking a ton about Chet right then. Like we talked about Paulo and Jabari, but I would say if you went back and listened to podcasts from draft lottery to draft night, 80% of what we talked about was Chet. Yep. Like I feel pretty confident about it. We were all very confident they were going with Chet. And at one point we were kind of trying to make comps on who he could be like. And one name we dropped was Pau Gasol. And I've been thinking about that more lately. Like a, a year and a half later now, we still haven't seen him play an NBA game. But how does that comp kind of feel as far as the the IQ, the passing, the floor spacing, um, the the connectiveness, the defense? Is there still a... Do you guys think that's still like a decent comp? Feel It feels a little bit to me like from an, from an understanding of role standpoint, yeah, and like knowing what impact he can have on a given night, it could be similar because Pal was always like fit like a glove anywhere and yeah. just did everything that needed to be done. And Chet seems to have that same mentality, but I don't know. I don't it's know. hard he's, to he's more mobile. Than... It's hard, yeah. It, well, the hard part is like when I think of guys he's similar to. It's like Pal's a really good like holistic comp. I think there's a little Dirk on offense with what he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a little KG on defense on what he can do. Um, but at the same time, like the game was so different back then. Like we, we could sit here and say, right. yeah, his ceiling is like Dirk on offense, KG on defense. He could dribble better than Powell. Like he, he's his mobility is better than this guy. He can shoot better, but the game wasn't the way it was like for all we know, if Powell grew up in the AAU system that players do now where you're supposed to dribble when you're the biggest guy on the court, Maybe Pow is going between the legs behind the back. You know, like he didn't need to because the game wasn't that way. So it's really hard these days, especially for bigs, to do those kind of comps. Um, because even if the guy had the skill set or the ability, he would never do it because it didn't make sense. Um, but th- those are kind of the three guys that I think of. I think more modern is like Evan Mobley with a little bit more. That's juice, yeah, if you will. Easy one. Yep. Like Evan, Evan more is, offensive versatility. Yeah, I think I think Evan does a lot of the same things, but with a little bit less flash. Um, and this could be completely off base. I don't watch a ton of Cavs. I don't think Evan has 
the dog that Chet has. Yeah, there's like a I force that's that. missing yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I also think we would think differently of Evan Mobley. I've thought about this for a long time. If he went to a more rebuilding team than the Cavs uh, and was an actual featured player. Well, he did. He did. He, he he turned he turned it from a rebuild to a we're here. Like he was the guy. Yeah. He, he, he was the third pick. I also yeah, think he it's was a third pick, but was he really? You know what I mean? Like he went. I mean, they, they were Garland. they were bad enough to get the third pick, and they you went Garland. To, they went to a a contending playoff team. Yeah, and that season they had also kind of pushed some chips in as well, getting um, Jared Allen, Jared Allen, and then a so, year later getting. I think we're thinking higher. I mean, we think highly of him here, Nick. But like, I think Nat, he's probably viewed as like I, I don't know. I think he's unlocked a little more offensively, probably if he's on a, a different team. It's kind of what I'm getting at. But I, I also, I also think, think it'd, about it'd like, be different well, if he it, wasn't playing next to Jared Allen. I mean, they're they're kind of right. married to the two bigs idea. Right. And the and, Thunder are more married to like the no bigs idea. As of today. Versatility. And, today. I mean, the players talked a lot about that too during media day. That was something they all touched on was the versatility. Uh, but one other comp that I just kind of thought of for for Chet is like I don't know. He almost seems like what we hoped. I mean, I say we collectively, the NBA media, the NBA draft uh, analysis, like we all thought that maybe Chris stops Porzingis was going to be when he came into the league. Uh, offensively, I think, I think defensively better. way more than Porzingis. Yep. Don't forget what he was like before the knees. Yeah. That dude I mean, he was blocking shots he like crazy in New York. Stud. Yeah. He was not stud. And I mean, there's, a lot of talk about the Thunder being interested in Kristaps in uh, before he pulled out of that original draft and then came mm-hmm. in. Kristaps has a lot more perimeter game than Chet does. Like, yeah, yeah. like deep range. I don't, I don't think you're going to see Chet True. shooting six feet behind the line like we see Porzingis. That's kind of like Not that's my it. favorite part about this Thunder team because there's been so much talk like in the national media about like, for example, Josh Giddy. Been a lot of talk about Josh Giddy. What, what is his player comps? We can't come up with one. Same thing with Chet. Like, what are his player comps? Well, he could be Kristaps. He could be Evan Mobley. He could be Dirk Nowitzki. You know, like, that's what this Thunder team is building. Yeah. There are no perfect comps because, you know, and for cool. example, Nick, I can't remember who it was. You might be able to remind me. There's a uh, upcoming draft prospect, uh, projected lottery pick. Granted, everybody's a quote-unquote projected lottery pick at this point of the, the draft cycle, but uh, they comped him to kind of like a Josh Giddy. It's like, oh my gosh, like this Josh Brent, created Brent his Flowers. own mold. It, it wasn't Flowers, I, it, it, and it wasn't an NBL player. I think it might have been like, uh, like Tovich, uh, one of the the Nicolos. Oh, <laughs> Nikola Topich, Topich, one of those. Yeah, he's 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 a fraction of the size of Josh, though. Somebody, they're he's so unique. Regardless. Josh is so unique. There will not be another Josh. Right. Just like we can't yeah. find a comp for Josh, there will not be another Josh. We thought Dyson Daniels is kind of like Josh. He ain't Josh. And it's just like it Anthony made me excited Black. because yeah, like Anthony Black Josh, is yeah. great. Anthony Black own. will be great, but he's not Josh. Right. Yeah. And Josh has kind of created his own like you know category of player that players are now kind of quote unquote being comp to. It's like J Dub so. is the most comparable of the four, but oh, the comps very much so. And the comps for him are insane. Like the ceilings are insane. Can I? Can you I have Jalen Brown with LeBron? Yeah. (laughs) Quick aside, quick aside, quick aside. I was in a rabbit hole last night and what are you doing there? A real one? (laughs) I'm just hanging out, hanging out in a rabbit hole. Uh, Did you find Alice in Wonderland? Josh Giddy last season in year two. His statistics, 16.6 points, 7.9 rebounds, 6.2 assists. Okay. 16, 8, and 6. 16, 8, and 6. There's a player that was all NBA, all star every year before he had some major issues. Ben Simmons. I'm not saying Josh is the next Ben Simmons, by the way. In year two of the NBA, remember he didn't play year one, but year two of playing in the NBA, he averaged 16.9, 8.8, 7.7, was an all star. Granted, fantastic defender. Yeah, that, that's Josh, the big difference. Near there yet. My point is, though, is Josh Giddy a marginal step up on offense and really starting to figure it out on defense away from being that caliber of player? And, and granted, Ben Simmons is also young. Like, he was 22 in year two. 
Josh is a hell of a lot younger than that. Mm-hmm. Like, Josh turns 21 tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Today? Next Tuesday. Oh, next. You guys have the birthdays so, on lock. Is it on your I calendar? Read, well, God. No. Uh, anyway, I think we have this on the, the doc, but Zach Lowe did his <laughs> October you know, 10. five players. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're getting to the Josh talk. Let's pump the brakes real quick. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Let's go to our first break of the night. We'll come back okay. and we'll talk some Josh. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back. Okay, you guys want to talk Josh? Let's talk Josh. Um, so now, now we're good to go. Zach mentioned it in his segment we're about to get into. Okay. Yeah, his so birthday. that's why I knew it. Nick asking basically is Josh a little bit of a step away from like Ben Simmons level? Being like, an all-star. Yeah. Uh, Zach Lowe wrote an article today titled The Five Most Intriguing Players in the NBA. Uh, player number two was Josh Giddy. Some really interesting stuff in here. Um, we can go whichever direction you guys want. Silva, you are the one that, that kind of brought this one to our attention. Uh, so why don't you kick us off? It, it can be something about Josh, something from that article, um, wherever you want to go to start this, uh, something that Nick talked about. But I think, like you guys have mentioned, Josh has kind of been thrust into like this this major talking point for this team. So let's dive into it. Silva, where do you want to go? Yeah, I think it's it'd be best. So there is like a thunder there's a thunder related thing that we could talk about maybe at the end, but to start on Josh and like the themes of this piece of Zach's story, the themes are is he is so he, very weird player as we've described. Very weird player but very unique and effective in his own in his own way. But how does he how does he fit? Does he fit in ideally because he's such an insane passer? like we've all discussed, or does he, is he ultimately the odd man out because of offensive issues with maybe, maybe he can't shoot consistently or on defense. Maybe Zach talked about his defense and went pretty hard. Like at the end, like I've always considered Josh, like a solid team defender. Zach didn't necessarily give him any of that credit here at the end. He was like, he is a bad one-on-one defender, but he has the tools to get better. And if he does X, Y, Z, I think it's awesome. Can I, can I catch you off just real quick? Yeah. 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 Quote, Giddy's defense has been disappointing outside of his rebounding. He plays somewhat upright. His short wingspan, almost the same as his height, limits his impact as a help defender. He's big enough that it's easy for the Thunder to hide him on weaker links, but Giddy too often feels like a floating non-presence on defense, but he'll get better there too. End yeah. quote. Yeah. So it was he was just touching on how strange of a player he is, and like he Zach could not define him. And and the way he gets to the line in unique ways and creates open shots for his teammates in unique ways. So he, it's good to know that like someone I consider one of the smartest people in basketball also cannot define Josh Giddy and how he fits on this team long term. I will say, and again, uh, thunder colored glasses on per usual. But listening to Zach throughout uh, the towards the end of last season, uh, as well as into this off season. He's been extremely excited about Josh Giddy, like really excited about him. And to me, like he even alluded to it here, like I guess last week on a podcast about including Josh in the segment of his, like the top five, you know, players he's basically he's keeping an eye on for this season. 
And it almost seemed to me like when he was writing this column, he was like trying to kind of pump the brakes, the, pump the brakes on his excitement, uh, just based off again what I've listened to uh, when he's mentioned Josh in podcast. So that was kind of my impression. I'm curious what you guys think. It's, I think so. Yeah, like it did feel almost came off kind of negative to me right. about yeah. Josh. Now, Nick, I'm interested in your kind of opinion on this. Um, we know guys go under Josh Giddy screens. Josh shooting threes and uh, maybe more importantly, making threes is going to be a really big factor in his offensive ceiling. He took, I'm pulling up his stats right now. He took 3.1 threes per game last year, shot 32%. If he stayed at about three to four a game, I think that's fine for him. One thing that he talked a lot about at media day, which kind of ties back into your Ben Simmons kind of comparisons, Nick. He obviously talked about the free throw line and getting to the free throw line more. But the way he talked about that, I think is the important part. He said, I got too comfortable like, not taking advantage of my size, uh, shooting these little mid-range floater type shots and taking what the defense gives me and not utilizing my size and my strength and forcing the defense's hand. And, and you guys can call me an idiot if you want. That's fine. Is it almost more important for Josh to just be like kind of like a bruiser, like put his shoulder down, knock a guy out of the way, get to the rim and lay the ball up or dunk it more than the three-point shot. Because when I think about those Ben Simmons all-star years, Nick, you get the dude on the break and he would shoot out like a freaking cannon, bulldoze people and get to the rim and dunk it or lay it in. Obviously, that changed massively for Ben Simmons. Uh, He wouldn't even lay the ball up in that Atlanta Hawks series. But if Josh can get to that point where like he can go off the dribble or he can cut and just put his shoulder down and bully dudes and get to the basket. I think of, I I always go back to that play against uh, uh, the Brooklyn nets. Why am I forgetting the big man, Nick Claxton, when he basically like sunned Nick Claxton, hit that layup and hit him with too small on the way back down the court. If Holy shit, there's a huge spider on my desk. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let, me, Josh, let me let me take over while you i saw your spider. eyes just like <laughs> so i don't want to be around anymore the uh the uh that's that's gonna be a gift the <laughs> i'm gonna try to take this two path at the same time uh make sure i'm good over here josh is a <laughs> fraction of the athlete that ben simmons is so for a lot of the reasons that the article mentioned like josh defensively may not be there he just ain't the athlete, but I, I do pose the question of like, he may not be the greatest defender, but relative to what, like, is he a, get that out of my screen. Ooh. Is he, a, is he, is he supposed to be defending guards yeah. or is he supposed to be defending power forwards? You know, I think that's, are you a good defender based on what, uh, yeah. offensively? I do think he needs to be more aggressive, but again, he's not Ben Simmons. He can't just power yeah. in and dunk on people. Like, right. You can be big and strong and, and, hold a lot of mass, but it doesn't mean you can do all those things. So as it relates to Ben Simmons, it's just, it's a different ball game, but as it relates to Josh, like in a, in his own kind of lane um, to, to draw fouls, you do have to draw the contact. So when you're settling for the middies, the floaters, whatever it might be, um, you're not going to get fouls called. Um, I just think he, you don't want to force anything. We kind of saw Shea, what was it two years ago? Try to force like a three point shot into his arsenal. Mm-hmm. Went yep. there. Got step back three. Was not good. Uh, I hope Josh does not get away from what was effective last year by trying to be too aggressive. Like, does he need to be more aggressive and try to draw fouls and like get in the lane, do the Nick Claxton type things? Yes. But like, not mentioned not taking not what the defense gives you. Right. If the defense gives you the MIDI and you're good at the MIDI, you take the MIDI. You know, don't don't get away from what's worked. Or if you're able to get to the rim and then you're able to still kick it out to a wide open three point shooter or somebody else who can attack like agreed. That's a great point, Nick. 
Well, I was solving that national emergency. Um, that was a gross-looking spider. Yeah, not going to lie. Zero of 10. Would not recommend. Um, <laughs> Nick, we're talking about like what position should Josh guard? Yeah, because I think you mentioned the article was talking about his defense maybe in a negative light. And I would my counter-argument would be if you expect Josh Giddy to guard point guards, it's not going to look good. But if you expect him to guard wings and power forwards then I think that the defensive upside and the, and the trajectory of that end of the floor looks a lot different. I love the idea of Josh guarding fours. I do too. Makes sense. And then I, you put I, dub, I you put about dub on like the wing or Correct. giddy or sorry, I'm sorry, uh door on like the best defender and dub on the second best defender. Um, maybe if it's like a, I don't know, like a Luca Kyrie thing. You could put Dort on the smaller guy and Dub on the bigger guy, but you let Josh guard the guys that aren't as fast. Maxi Kleba. Yeah, some of those bigger guys. Because more than want to in the NBA, defense is about size, positioning, foot speed, all that stuff. If there's one thing that Josh does not lack, it is that dog. Right, like Josh doesn't mind. Be, uh, Sam Presti talked about it as a, at his exit interview last year. Does not mind being incredibly physical. So put him on those types of guys. Let him like bump and push and not have to run around screens. And I think even defending the screener is kind of a good thing for Josh because you just you have to be really connected and really smart to be like the the drop guy in defense. And I think that's something Josh can do just because he's a really intelligent basketball player. Who here's a here's a question that's not going to be easy to answer. Who it's a lot of guys that are high IQ on this team. Who's the lowest IQ player? <laughs> Lou Dort. Right. You think? Right. Just because, and, and that, and, and, be and this of, isn't saying like he's a dumb basketball no, player. No, I don't like, think when the like, whole team is really freaking smart about basketball. It, and lose lose stuff where, where we have said he gets like tunnel vision could have been conditioning by circumstance. Like he was kind of forced to be in an offensive role that was more than he's probably ideal for during the rebuilding years, and maybe now that won't happen as much. But that was my first. I I get offensively the, for sure. For sure. Yeah, Defensively right. is like a whole different story. But correct. Which is why that wasn't going to be my answer because he does think the game at such a high level. He, he's I, I, when I think about bas- basketball IQ, I think about what Shay mentioned his what his first year in OK after his first year in OKC, when Chris Paul told talked to him about thinking one step ahead on both a, specifically defensively, but that's what Chris Paul does as well offensively. We've seen Shea be able to do that on both ends of the floor. Lou reads the game at such a high level defensively. That's the reason that wasn't going to be my answer. Um, I think the two-way guys, like with all due respect, I, I just don't think that's applicable, which is why I was going more towards like a Trey man uh, who just, again, I it, it, I think we had him on our, our outline at one point before we kind of got into some, some, I don't know, some deeper content here on the podcast, but Trey man is very one dimensional right now. Offensively. I think he's extremely talented but has struggled defensively. I mean, he is literally the broccoli versus Skittles analogy that we had that, that they don't came up with here a couple of years ago. Right. Like that's where that originated from. If I had to pick one player, that would probably be it to your point, Nick, that doesn't mean he's like a quote unquote dumb basketball player, extremely talented player with a ton of upside. I just, when I think about basketball IQ, low basketball IQ in comparison to some of these guys like Josh Giddy. um, I mean, any of the starters, really. I think maybe Trey Man's my answer. There's just, there's. I think the Thunder purposely want that to be a difficult thing to answer. Like they don't want yeah, low right. IQ. Like, if, like we, we would have said Baisley last year, right? And then correct. He's not. And that here would have been the right answer, right? And he's not right. here anymore. So, and it's so interesting when you think back to those old Thunder teams that were really, really good. It's just it's it's almost like a complete shift. Those old teams had like two and in the Harden era, three just insane players and no offense to the other guys, but it's like a lot of filler around the sides to where they had to go get like a Derek Fisher or a Karam Butler 
who not only had experience but had that Kevin IQ. Martin. Yep. Please dribble. And then now it's like the team is just littered with high skill, maybe not the greatest athleticism, but super smart cerebral players. How many times w- would a player on the th- on the on the roster now get the ball swung to them and us? as a fan watching be like, Oh God, what's going to happen here? Like that. Mm-hmm. I don't feel, I don't personally feel like that's going to happen anymore. There's least, like nobody on this team that if the ball gets swung to them, which it does because that's the style they play that I think like, Oh God, don't shoot it. Right. Yeah. I agree completely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you feel Nick? better than others. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Like if Jay Will catches it open, like fire that thing. Like I trust Jay Will to make the decision, the right decision. You right. might get a boom out of that. I, I love my Josh. guy. You all know I love my guy Hamadou Diallo more than anything. Oh, that like, was an adventure. Yeah, yeah, right. And Terrence Ferguson, for example, Still I also agent, love I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't both think he's of those players. Right love both of those guys personally, but like I, I felt a little different than you know filling the blank player on this roster. Looking back, it makes so ask. much sense. They moved off of homie he just did yeah. not fit what they were trying to build at all um, gosh i love him <laughs> last zach Lowe thing before we move on to our final segment of the evening and silva i think you were alluding to this earlier mm-hmm. um i have it me... pulled up if you oh yeah go for it so um zach Lowe introed this by saying the thunder may not be able to afford all this young talent because their ceilings could be so high yada yada stuff we've talked about before and he Beneath that, because we've talked about on on this podcast before that like people are pushing the Thunder to do a win now move, consolidate some of these things, or or trade one of these guys away. Zach put in parentheses uh, early on. He says, "quote Don't assume the next big Thunder trade is some consolidation move in which they package players and picks for a star. They could go that route, of course, but they could also deal an established young player for more first round picks to keep the small market machine sustainable." I had not heard that before. I had never even thought that before. Our our stance was like, can, okay, they're not going to consolidate for a star. It's going to be consolidate draft picks to make the roster cheaper and the back end is kind of what we've thought about could happen. But can you read that again? Yeah. Um. So I'll try and like paraphrase. So don't assume the next big thunder trade is a consolidation move to get a star. They could do that, but they could also deal an established young player. So like one of the four. That that's but that's that's an assumption. That's what I'm getting right. at. Right. I think we read that established young player as like one of Josh, Shea, uh, Giddy, and Dub. Yeah. I don't know if I would assume that. Could be that like, could be that could be Oos. That could right, be Kaysen in a few years or something. That could like be Kaysen. That could be Poku this year. Like if Poku has a really, yeah. really good year, he's an established young player. Yeah. But if he wants 20 million, you would move off him for draft picks because you don't want to pay that and leverage your you know, it's yeah. I I, now, I think that is open for interpretation unless there's more to the story or a podcast it's got more context i wouldn't well, assume core four yeah i con- never even the thought context of that idea, was within though. the josh giddy segment he was referring to josh giddy and he even made additional comments there within that that josh could be the odd man out which is why he made that comment he was alluding basically to saying there. they won't be able to afford all four and if if you can't you well, move one for that's draft the in the history of the league is if this team national. is if this team continues the trajectory they're on by the time those guys get paid, you're probably a a team that is expected to be a home court advantage West Western Conference team. When's the last time we saw a top four West team just trade away one of their core pieces for draft picks? It just doesn't happen. People just I, I could the, small I could I could see if like if um let me let me come up with an example. Don't say 20, 2012 Oklahoma Don't say it, Jacob. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm that, thinking that was more, more so due to uh, <laughs> off-court shenanigans. I'm thinking more like kind of looks like they made the smart, I if, made the right move back in that's 2012. That's my point. If, that is my if point. Kulabali in two years is seventy percent of what Josh is, but still has a ton of upside and has more runway on his contract. Maybe you trade Josh for Kulabali and three first-round picks, and you and you're still a good team. You ain't trading Josh for just draft picks. Yeah. I'd never even heard that argument. Like, no, it never no. even dawned on me like that could be a possibility. I just don't see it. No, you don't trade like someone that is incredible for salary cap relief. No, it's strange. No, no. I yeah. also, I also like the argument. I mean, not to get us down that new arena rabbit hole, but 
okay, the Thunder are only quote unquote contributing, Thunder ownership's only contributing 50 million. Okay, sure. But if OKC uh, citizens vote yes, December 12th, we build the a expectation new arena. is you pay for the team. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's take our next break of the night. On the other side, we'll talk a little more training camp and then uh, we'll be out here for the night. So we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, we are back. Gentlemen, a few other things I thought we could talk about before we get out of here. Um, we've mentioned his name a few times. Usman Jang. Taylor, Nick, word is he grew an inch. That was Nick's question, too. It was, it was pretty funny. Nick. He didn't even answer my question. It was hilarious. I asked if he was still growing into his body, and he said, yeah, maybe an inch. <laughs> and then everybody <laughs> took it. Like, everybody. I've listened to so many different podcasts now. They're like, Usman Jang says he grew an inch. It was like, well, like, no, print it. That was Nick's question. The, so the, the big three things from Us says he grew an inch, judging he, by the picture of him standing next to Olivier Sarge. Uh, I'd believe it. He said that offseason, a big focus of his was physicality and playing with force and working on his shot with Chip England. Josh said that he thought Oos is the guy that like made the biggest jump over the summer. Have I mean, and I don't think this is like we, because we've actually talked Oos up quite a bit. Like, is there a chance that he's ready to beat down the door for a pretty significant role on this team? And I also thought about this, like Thunder fans have started to really come around on Usman Jang and like talk very highly of him. Meanwhile, you have Poku <laughs> saying, and don't get me wrong, like Poku's like my favorite player. I love the dude. But saying there's nothing to show anybody in Oklahoma City. <laughs> Do we have like a Luigi Waluigi thing going on here with Usman Jang and Alexei Pokashevsky? <laughs> I think that's more of a silver question. Is Poku Waluigi, JD? Um, I think he has to be. I don't know who else would be Waluigi in that. I don't know what a sense. Waluigi is. No, oh that God, that's the Nick. the fat dude in the yellow cap and Mario. No, that's Wario. No, that's Wario. Oh, Wario. Oh, All Wario. right. Oh, Waluigi's like the evil Luigi. The yes. purple Luigi. Gotcha. Yes. Good point. Now we're all caught up on and on the, the fat table. Luigi. <laughs> I thought he was the fat one. I was like, it's not really a lot of fat uh, players on this team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oos is running like a. Uh, it's like a Oos is, I don't know, on a similar path to what Poku was on, but from a uh, fan facing aspect, his game is much easier to appreciate and see. Like it's much more visually and aesthetically pleasing than what we've seen from. Our our boy Poku for the several years, even though we like him and we we have people in our comments saying like he he was one of the low IQ guys. I don't think that's the case, but like I think yeah, the difference a- though is Poku was on a team where the opportunity was there to just let that thing fly, get out there and play a bunch of minutes and see how it goes. The counter argument to your point, Silva, yeah, is there it is with Oos. Oh my gosh. There it is. Okay, yes. I remember this. That's Silva, literally Silva. Uh, <laughs> the counter to that is like Oos, we've kind of seen in a controlled scenario where didn't get a lot of minutes because he had the injury. The team was actually halfway competitive. He didn't get like a ton of minutes. If Oos at his age in year one was playing for the Thunder two years ago and got 30 minutes a night regularly, it might have looked just as wild as Boku. Yeah. We're true. also talking about a year two player as well. And, and and again, like we make the comparisons because of the height and the high IQ. They, they, they fit the mold of the versatile, high IQ, very tall basketball players. But ultimately, they're, they're two different players as well. And um, I don't know. I, I just see it translating very well for us, which I think is why. So many of us are excited but at the same time. Just to give a thunder answer here, a Mark Dignall or a Sam Presti answer. We know growth isn't linear. There's going to be ups and downs for Oost this season. I think ultimately, to kind of to answer Jacob's original question, if we get towards the end of the regular season into the playoffs and Oost is in that rotation, then, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. We should be very optimistic about that. Um, but don't expect it to be a linear thing where just like J-Dub last season, Oost is just immediately thrust into that 
top eight rotation. Nick, I asked these guys on Monday night, so I'm going to ask you just a quick answer. Does Poku get extended by the end of the month before the extend- extension window closes? No. Is he on this team next year? Yes. Okay, so you think he goes to restrict That was my answer. He makes it. Yeah. Interesting. I also wanted to talk real quick. I was just thinking about this today. What happens if Trey Mann is, like, good? Like, last year he struggled with confidence. He was in and out of the rotation. I didn't mean to phrase it like that to, like, make it sound like Trey Mann is a bad player. But what if he, like, comes into camp and through preseason and, like, the start of the season is, like, summer league Trey Mann. That's just, like, fearless, knocking down a bunch of threes. There's a big log jam at guard. Like, what happens if he has to play just because he's that good? Like, I, I, when I was reading this on the doc, I had an immediate answer. And my answer, like, to your point, Jacob, not that you're insinuating that Trayman is not good. I get it. Uh, Trayman is good. That's my first initial thought. Style of play just doesn't fit for this team. And because yeah, I meant, like, what if he's good enough, like, that he has to play? Like, what happens? Where do those minutes come from? I think he's traded. I really do. That's just kind of my thought. I, I just don't think it fits with this team, unfortunately, as much as they, as much as this Thunder uh, organization really wants it to, because they like Trayman a lot. Uh, I'm not going to answer your question. I want to put something <laughs> out there. Um, going to this answer your question. A year ago today, we were all podcasting. And we thought, you know what? Maybe this could be the year the Thunder look a lot better. And they were. Um, another topic of conversation was media day and the first days of practice. And everybody was saying, you know who's the most improved player and looks like he's taken that leap and is ready to... It was Trey Mann. Mm-hmm. So, you mean the uh, same guy that's been in the gym every single day this offseason, Nick? My, my point is, um, he could be really good um i just like to me it's it's like it's less about what he does as a scorer like he could be this guy that bones highland's the best example the nuggets literally moved off of him and was like a popular player scored a lot of points had a ton of upside offensively what they get like two second round picks or something for him if he got two second round picks trey man's getting like one so to Taylor's point, I don't think a trade's coming because I don't think you drop a guy that's a former first rounder for a second rounder this early. Um, reason I say all that is because if he was the outstanding player last year in training camp, like what more is there? Like it's not about scoring and what you look like offensively. It's like he talked about this actually. Can you be a facilitator? Can you come with a second unit and distribute the ball and? get assists and rebound and defend. I just, I just hope he understands no one questions your ability to score the ball. Can you do the other stuff? Right. And he it's talked fair. about one thing he worked on this, this off season was catch and shoot. It but even then, I don't, I, I don't right. care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't that's care. And that's that's where I'm at as well. And I can't help but wonder if those comments from Presty were more motivational uh, and Nick when Trey came into the the media availability on Monday it, it that's that that's certainly his personality to be kind of short and a little quiet but He's still soft um, yeah a little to, more so than usual to answer Jacob's question though if Trey Mann is just good and you got to play him it's not because of the flashy stuff that everyone's thinking of as they listen to this it's not because he can give you 16 a night it's because he can come in. He's doing the little things. He can defend. He he impacts winning. So if he is that good and he plays a lot this year, you probably won't like see it directly. I love that answer. There have been players. There have been players like that before throughout the years, where like their their team is like this guy is so good, like in the offseason and practice, but they just the on court night to night. Like Cam Reddish is who I was thinking of throughout yeah. this conversation. Like. His teammates are all. He probably looks awesome. He probably looks probably so looks awesome, awesome in training like camp and in scrimmages. So sick and pick up. Yeah. I also have wondered, like, I don't want to make this seem like I'm putting words in anybody's mouth because I'm not. But it's like part of the human element of that. Like behind the scenes, they see a guy's like struggling with confidence. So you gas him up publicly to like make yeah. him feel more confident. 
like, oh man, Trey's out here killing it in preseason and, and in training camp and behind these doors, you guys don't know how much work he's put in because you're trying to gas him up because maybe he's struggling a bit and he needs to play with more confidence. I like, think if you got that as a one-off, but like last year with Trey, it was like five or six that's guys. Fair. They were asked like, who's the one player? And it was like, Trey, man. Like and yeah. immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to their like in their defense, they were also playing up with him. And I guarantee you, Trey Man and pickup looks like awesome all but NBA. We don't even have to get. I mean, we uh, us three saw him in summer league in Vegas. I mean, he shined right in a different style play. Although I know they want that summer league and and the OKC blue to kind of mirror the style play of the Thunder. Regardless, you know, we saw Trey really kind of shine in that situation. And that's kind of my thing too. It's like, I hope Trey doesn't let that get to his head in terms of trade value. If he were on any other team where like, you know, most teams, they have their, their roster. They sign, you know, that you can carry up to what 21 players now on a full roster in the new CBA. They bring up some guys like from the OKC blue, for example, to fill out the rest of those to participate in training camp with these guys uh, who have been there for a while and kind of fit that style of play and can contribute to training camp. And then like those players, still like a Trey man still has value to other teams because they know that that player isn't going to be cut. The situation that the thunder has, they have so many talented players from Shea Gildas Alexander to Trey Mann, Jack White, right? Not to like try and put these players on like a ranking scale, but because of that, like there is, a, I mean, that other teams are just going to wait. They aren't going to give up second round picks for Trey Mann if they think, you know, Trey Mann might, might just be cut next season or uh, sorry, next month. And we are can you just telling me teams are waiting to pounce, Taylor? They're pouncing. They're they're ready to pounce on Trey, Trey Mann <laughs> compared to, uh, Tai Tai and Usman Garuba. Last last question of the night. Let's go kind of quick because it's time to get out of here. Actually, Silva, just play the outro music. Let's just answer this as the outro is happening. We do have a roster cut coming, Nick. More likely, or or what's more beneficial? Like if they just like cut a guy like JRE or if they traded Trey Mann for a second? Cut JRE. that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, I think I think the the potential upside of Trey Mann versus the second round pick is marginal versus Jerry Taylor. I would agree with that as well. Silver. Yeah, same. <laughs> All right, that was easy enough. Hey, thank you guys for listening to the Uncontested Podcast. We appreciate you. We will be back Sunday night after Thunder Fan Fest. So make sure to go to okcthunder.com slash fanfest. Get your tickets. Head out, hang out, get some food, bring the family, have a good time. Come say what's up to Taylor and I. And then next Monday, first post game of the year, baby, as the Thunder take on Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs. Can't wait. It's going to be a blast. You guys have a great end of your week. We'll see you back here on YouTube Sunday, 9 p.m. Central Time. Don't miss it. Until then, as always, thunder up. Don't need to.